Well, now let's uh, turn to look then uh, at uh, this passage of Scripture, Psalm 40. It's the Psalm of David, as you notice. Um, David is one of the great characters, isn't he, of the Old Testament? Um, uh, one of the great heroes of Old Testament days. We know him to be uh, a man of great courage and bravery. Uh, that, that lovely story of him as just as a youth, armed with nothing more than a catapult and a few stones, and he goes out against that great giant Goliath without fear, trusting in God. We admire him for that. We know him to be a military genius uh, in the many uh, conflicts he was engaged in, particularly over the Philistines, the traditional enemies of the Israelites in those days, uh, with God's help. He was able to achieve great victories. We know him to be the wise leader and king of the nation uh, of Israel. And we know him too to be a very sensitive uh, and a very talented musician and a poet. Uh, and so God has greatly blessed him in his days. But that there is a question that we can't answer in detail uh, because the information is not given to us in God's word, and that is how did he and when did he become uh, a man of God? Because he certainly wasn't born like that. Uh, none of us are born like that. We're all sinners by nature from uh, our very earliest days. And David is no exception to that. Yet at some point in his life, he came to know God and to trust God. But we're not told exactly when that happened and how it happened. We can speculate a bit, I suppose. Uh, we can say, well, maybe it was one of these more evenings when he was out guarding the sheep and the wild beasts were all around him and he cried out to God for strength and protection and trusted God then, maybe it was then, maybe he was just in a very quiet way at home like many of us under the wise teaching of his father Jesse who was a godly man. Maybe that's how he came to faith. Maybe it was some quiet moment in his, by his bedside he trusted the Lord. Uh, well, we don't know exactly when it happened. It is pretty clear that it happened while he was still uh, young, I think that is, that is a certainty, because when Samuel comes to look at the sons of Jesse to appoint a new king in Saul's place, and he goes down the line, there's all these fine, strong young men, and God says, no, not them, not them, not him, not him. Is there anybody else? Oh, there's just the youngest boy. He's out looking after the sheep. Bring him in, says Samuel. And David comes in, and he is the chosen one, the one to be anointed. So that could only have happened if he was by then uh, a child of God. So therefore, we can be sure that it was while he was still young. And, and interestingly, statistics will show that um, the majority of folk who've, folk who've come to faith have done so while they're young. Not necessarily only so, but... Many of us, I think, would bear that sort of testimony if we are the Lord's this morning. It's while we were young that God spoke. And it gave tremendous encouragement 
to Christian parents to pray for their children that the Lord might bring them to saving faith. So while he was young, it happened. But the detail, the time, the place, that information is not given to us. But I dare to suggest to you this morning that in the opening verses of this psalm, Psalm 40, we have got his testimony. Of course, it's in poetic form. It's word pictures that he uses but it is a testimony to what God has done by saving him. So I read those three verses to you again from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought, also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, established my steps, put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. I dare to suggest that is his testimony. If he stood in front of you this morning and we asked him, how did you come to faith? Uh, it is this sort of picture that he would present to us. So it is a record of a conversion. Uh, 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 and as we go through the various steps this morning, and I'll take you through them, uh, it, it would be good for you in your heart to ask yourself, well, where exactly do I stand in this sequence? Um, have I, by grace, come to its ultimate conclusion? Or are I still somewhere looking, seeking, needing? Uh, 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 and it's a challenge to us, isn't it? Uh, as we compare our own experience uh, uh, alongside that of David's. But remember, it is given to us in the form of a poem. Uh, uh, and so he uses illustrations uh, uh, and word pictures to help us to gain some sense of what the Lord has done for him, bringing him to faith. So here is the first of those steps. He describes what he calls a horrible pit and miry clay. That, that's where his story starts. Remember, it is a poem. But that's where his story starts. That's how he saw himself. He saw himself trapped uh, in a slimy pit, a horrible pit. It's unusual for a young man to think like that because, you know, uh, young people, teenagers, we've all been the same. We're sometimes rather self centered and arrogant and proud of ourselves and our achievements, aren't we? That, that's, that's how we are as young folk. For somebody who is young to see himself as uh, trapped in this desperate situation that's like a, 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 a bog, a quicksand, where he's, he's sinking down, well, that's, that's a work of the Spirit of God. Uh, but it would be not a bad thing at all if we were to understand ourselves in that sort of context, context because by nature, that is our situation. We are those who've fallen short of the glory of God and all have sinned. And it has that terrible effect of dragging us down. So I, I can't think... Um, uh, of a more unpleasant way to lose your life than to be trapped in a, a bog or a quicksand or a swamp. 
You know, it, it, it's there. You, you, you only, you're only in it because it looks as um, it looks uh, inviting. It, it doesn't look dangerous, and then you find yourself trapped, and you start to sink down. And it's slow, and that's perhaps part of the horror of it, isn't it? It's a slow death. You're going down and down and down, and eventually, you know that it's going to take your life from you. You're going to be suffocated by the mud or the slime. And there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, uh, Because you know you're in desperate trouble, but the more you struggle, the more you sink down. What a very nasty way to lose your life, isn't it? Uh, uh, And, and, you know, you, you, you could feel for somebody in that desperate situation, couldn't you? Um, knowing that there's nothing that they themselves could do to extricate themselves from the the swamp that they're sinking down. It's going to take their life in due course. And that's how David saw himself in his sin. Uh, And and it's a very powerful picture of of this terrible thing we call sin. There's this rebellious nature that kicks back against the God who gave us life, the God who demands of us that we should live to a certain standard, his standard, and at which we've failed. And therefore, we stand quite rightly, he is a holy God, we stand under his judgment. Uh, And this thing that has got us, part of our nature, is dragging us down inexorably to ultimate destruction and we're helpless that's the trouble with somebody caught in a swamp they're helpless they struggle of course they struggle but the more they struggle the worse it gets Uh, um, uh, and that's how David saw the sin in his life now we are very tempted of course as we think about what we call sin uh, about the bad things that people do uh, in our world. We, we're tempted to put it into categories, into classes. We know there are really bad people about. Uh, we read about them, uh, don't we, uh, in, in our newspapers, or we see signs of it on our t- People who do really, really bad things to other people. Uh, and, 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 and we... Well, we have a wonderful capacity to distance ourselves from that, don't we? Uh, And, uh, well, I'm not like that, you know. Uh, I'm a respectable person. Um, And and I live a good life, and I pay my taxes, and I'm a good neighbour, and so on. So we separate ourselves from it, and say, well, that's not me. But the reality is, one way or another... That, that is exactly where we all stand. All have sinned, says the Bible. It's quite clear. There's no escape from it. And, and so, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing has grabbed us and, and it's sucking us down, as it were. Uh, and, uh, and, well, if we could understand that, and if we could understand our helplessness, our utter helplessness, then that's a very good place to start. And that's where David saw himself. And he saw what sin has done to him. It stained him. I remember reading, oh, I'm 
many years ago in the newspaper about, I, I think it was Colombia, but there, there was some sort of mudslide. The side of a mountain had come down and it engulfed this whole village. Uh, and, of course, many people lost their lives in the, in the mud. Um, but, but some escaped from it and managed to get out of, of the mudslide and position themselves on a nearby hill. Uh, but but they'd been caught up in the mud. And even though they emerged with their lives, they were still stained by it, still covered in mud. And I thought, that's, that's a picture of us, our humanity, isn't it? And, and some of us rise a bit above the general wickedness that we see around us. I guess most of us put to ourselves like that, but we're still stained by it. It's got into us, it's part of us. And it's made us utterly helpless. And that's how David saw himself as a young man, trapped in a horrible pit and in miry clay, helpless. But he's in need. So the second stage of his story is that he starts to seek God. And so I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. If you're in danger, your instinct is to cry out, isn't it? Help me, you say, if you're in trouble. Help me. Is anybody listening to me? If you're in some sort of physical danger, it's a very natural response to danger. Uh, and that is David's instinct. When he comes to understand what sin has done, it's dragging him down into this, into this miry pit, this horrible pit. Then he cries out. He cries out to God. And it's just as simple as that, isn't it? It is just as simple as that. This business of being saved. You know, um, we like to complicate things unnecessarily. But the sinner who cries out to God for mercy is the one who's simple and straightforward, as it seems, almost too simple, is the one who's learned the secret. Cry out. Seek God's help. Just what David did. Uh, and, and so he cried out. And you can do that this morning on the strength of Promises that God himself has made. Promises that he cannot go back on because he is truth. And he has said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever cries out in desperation, seeking God, will be saved. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful message for me to be able to bring to you this morning to say to you, God has promised Call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Well, that's what David did. He cried out. Now, uh, we, we, it's possible to have some misunderstanding here. Because, you see, he begins his, his uh, testimony by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. And we can sometimes misunderstand that. I met, that was just like me. I mentioned it last night, if you were there, that, that I, I made this mistake of waiting when I shouldn't have waited. I don't know what I was waiting for. I, 
uh, I, I couldn't really be entirely clear, but I expected something. And so I was waiting for it. I was just sitting back and waiting to see what would happen. And that is a very dangerous thing to do because you can wait and wait and wait until it's too late. But that's not true. I always say, oh, well, David said, I waited patiently. Yeah, but he's not doing so passively. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. While he's waiting, he's calling out, Lord, have mercy on me. That's, that's the secret. I don't know where you stand in this sequence now, but I, I, I tell you, if you sense there's something about you uh, that you can't escape from, and you feel the eye of a holy God upon you, then just let me urge you to cry out for mercy. Because God is wonderfully merciful, wonderfully kind. And he responds to that cry. That's exactly what David did. You do so, yeah, you do so. You may have to wait because God does things in his own time and who, who could deny him that privilege? That's his prerogative. But you cry out, Lord, help me, save me. And he promises he will hear and he will respond. So, yes, he was in a slimy pit. That's where David sees himself. He's calling out to God. Uh, and what do you need then? Imagine yourself now, if you can, trapped in a bog, in a swamp, in this utter helplessness and you're sinking slowly down and soon it's going to reach your mouth and your nose and you'll be suffocated by the slime the mud that you're in imagine yourself in that situation and you're crying out for help what are you looking for well you're looking for somebody to come and rescue you aren't you of course you are you hope there's somebody out there who's going to come to your help and save you from this terrible, terrible fate. Uh, and that's what David found in his need. What is, what is the one who's going to help you have, this strong hand that is required to save you from the desperation, the helplessness of your sin? What, what did David find? What is necessary well, for one thing, the person who's going to help you has got to be outside of the situation, hasn't he? It's no good somebody in the pit with you. Uh, they, they may want to try and help you, but they can't because they themselves are also trapped. They're being dragged down. So that, 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 that means, therefore, I can't help you. I'm in the same situation as you are. I, too was born with a sinful nature. I too showed in many, many ways my rebellion against God. How can I help you? I can only tell you the way. <laughs> but it needs somebody outside of it who is unstained, untouched by the filth of the horrible pit. It needs somebody who is prepared then to reach down uh, with a strong hand and extricate you from the swamp. Needs somebody like that, doesn't it? 
It needs somebody who has the power to do it. It's no easy thing to drag somebody out of a swamp who's sinking. It's no easy thing. A weakling can't do it. It needs somebody with strength, but it also needs somebody who's willing to do it, willing to put himself out to try and save you from your fate. Who is going to help me? Who is going to help you? in the miry pit of your sinful nature. Who is going to help you? Who's going to help David? Who is going to help you? Well, there's only one person, isn't there, who has the necessary qualifications. Remember, it's got to be somebody outside of this situation, somebody who's untouched, somebody who is unstained by sin. Well, you know who I'm talking about. The mighty son of God. He's untouched by the stain of sin. He comes to our world. He comes the only person who's lived in this world, drawn breath in this world, who is unstained by sin. A sinless saviour. That's what we need. If he is not sinless, he can't help us. But he is. And, and he needs to be also someone who is going to be ready to reach out to us in our helplessness, isn't he? There's got, there's got to be that, that, that motivation on his part, the saviour, to save sinners like you and me. That's got to happen. He's got to be somebody who's possessed of great power and strength. And it's got to be somebody who's willing to do it. And there he is. The Son of God comes to our world in our humanity. And he comes with this one great motivation. He comes to save sinners. The Son of Man has come, said of himself, to seek and to save the lost, to seek those who are dragged down in the miry pit of sin. That's why he came. That's why he lived in this world, in perfection, the life that we were supposed to live and have failed at miserably. But he lived it perfectly before God his Father. And then he went to the cross and there in a, a, a wonderful and um, a, 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 a mysterious, in a way, transaction that I have no words to explain to you this morning. There upon that cross, as he hung and suffered and bled and died, he took upon himself the sin of men and women, young folks, boys and girls, took it upon himself. I... I, I Sometimes just think, you know, this is beyond words. Uh, there, are, there are some scriptures that if they were not in God's word, you would hardly dare even to think, let alone say, he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That's what happened on the cross. And that's how he saved sinners. Like you, and it's how he saved David. Of course, this is centuries before that.
death on the cross happened, but that's where David's hope and expectation lied, lays in what Jesus is going to do upon the cross. Of, and he comes, he comes with just driven by love and desire to have a people for himself, saved sinners. There he is, the Son of God. Do you know him then in that sort of way as David did, the one who rescued him from his sin? And so it goes on then. And so as a consequence of crying out and being rescued from the swamp, then David now knows a new security in his life. So he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Uh, that's what David then enjoyed once he knew God as his saviour. Security in life. Uh, there, there are vital questions uh, that we have to answer. Three basic questions. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? That are the questions that face you this morning, my friends. Where did you come from? What are you doing here? Why are you here? And where are you going? If you can't answer those questions, <laughs> honestly, then you're lost. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. <laughs> he has the answers. We're here because God chose to give us life. And he chose to give us life that we might live for his glory. That's the purpose of your life. So you came from God and you're here to glorify him. Where will you go? What is, what is the consequence of living in this world and living for God by his grace Eternal security, safe and secure for time. It doesn't, doesn't matter what's going to happen to you in this life. It doesn't matter what sometimes, you know, with, if only I knew what was going to happen over the next few weeks. Well, we make our plans, of course we do. But we've lived long enough, haven't we, to know that nothing is that certain, nothing is that safe, because... Things happen, don't they? Circumstances change. But just to know that it doesn't matter what happens to me tomorrow or next week or the next month or next year, at the end of it all, I draw my last breath and I awake in the presence of my Saviour with Christ, which is far better. That's the security that David enjoyed. That's, that's ultimate safety, isn't it? And ah, that's what I'm here to tell you about. What, what, what a desirable thing is that. Can you think of anything better to long for? And, and then uh, he goes on, now he's safe and secure, he's been rescued from the slimy pit. So he's put a new song in my mouth. I think about that. 
because uh, I mean many of us are, are, are familiar with these much loved hymns we've sung them time and time and time again I've sung them ever since I was a boy in Sunday school and in church hymns that I know so well I can uh, uh, at a push uh, memorize some of them and I've known them for years and yeah, I, I, I suppose I've, I've loved them but that then you see something Something wonderful happens. The, the old familiar words that you know so well somehow take on a new significance. They, they take on a new meaning. Yes, this Lord Jesus I've been singing about and his love, I know it myself. It's like having a new song in your mouth, isn't it? This experience that this hymn writer uh, portrays before me in his hymn that I'm singing about, I've, I've come into it. I know it. It's, it's like having a new song. Familiar words, but sung in a very, very different way. Because it's real. And you know it. And that's what happened to David. The new song in his mouth. And as a consequence of that, we have the benefit of these wonderful psalms that we've got. These are the songs that God put in his mouth once he was saved. And you better get used to it. I think you know, singing is a vital part of, of our Christian worship, an absolutely crucial part of our Christian worship because that's what we're going to be doing in glory. If by God's grace you get there, you'll be singing. And you'll be singing praise to the one who loved you and who gave himself for you. That's what you'll be doing <laughs> in heaven. And, and then he goes on. Uh, he's not quite finished. He goes on to say how he's then, the Lord uses him in his service. I think that's a staggering thing as well. You know, I, I feel this so often. When I'm stood in a place like this and speaking to folks like you and you're sitting there patiently listening to him, I'm almost finished, so don't worry too much. And, and I think, what am I doing here? Because you see, God, if he chose, he could have sent you the Archangel Gabriel to stand here. You'd have listened to him, wouldn't you? <laughs> Instead he sent me, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, and he, could have, he could have written the message in letters of fire across the sky, couldn't he? That, that would have, um, that would have uh, struck you, wouldn't it? Instead... He's just sent a mere mortal man, a clay pot, an earthen vessel. That's what God has chosen to do. Chosen to use mere mortal men and women to convey his that's our That's our task. Once we've been rescued, once we've been delivered, once we're singing the new song, then we serve the Lord. That's what you can do. That's the, so that's the whole sequence now. That, that, that is what David is expressing to us, his testimony in a poetic form. I just wonder then, you know, where would you be with regard to that? How far would you be able to identify? At what stage would you say, well, I can go no further than that at the moment? Or would you be able to say, yeah, that's me. 
Yes, the Lord has rescued me. All praise to his name. He delivered me from the pit of my sin. He's enabled me to sing familiar words with a new vigour and enthusiasm. And now he's privileged me to serve him, even if it's only by prayer, which is the, once the best service you can give. In whatever way, anybody who crosses my pathway, then I'm privileged at least just to show them by the way I live that I belong to the Lord. How is it with you? Can I just leave that question then ringing in your ears? How far along that sequence would you find yourself this morning? And I'm here just to tell you that if, if it so happens that you, you've not got to that final conclusion, well, now is the time to seek the Lord yourself. Now is the time to cry. Now is to understand where you actually stand before the God who gave you life. And I can tell you in all wonderful assurance, there is a loving saviour who waits to hear you and who waits to rescue you. And, and you can go out those doors with a new song in your mouth. That's the word of the Lord. <laughs> that's, that's the testimony of redeemed people. Many of you will share it one way or another. And they will tell you, I guess, if you ask them. Um, maybe some of you haven't got that far. Now's the time to seek the Lord while he now may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let's just pray together. Oh God, our Father, we just want to praise you for the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the loving kindness that brought him to this world to die upon the cross of Calvary for sinners and, and to ask that in your great mercy you'll touch our hearts so that we too, in our turn, may seek the Lord while you are to be found and find then that we can share the same testimony that David did and redeemed sinners lift up our voices in thanks to Almighty God for such a great salvation. Hear us, O God, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.